Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry. Hey friends, if we've ever needed thriving thoughts, right now is the time. And today's episode is sure to give you a boost in the face of the darkest times. My guest today, Gina Dovemeyer. She started something called the I Am Crowned Project. You can find all those links in the show notes for sure. And you'll want to follow her and connect with her. We dive right in in this episode. We talk about the grieving process and how that looks so different from person to person, from woman to woman. Man, Gina gets deep into talking about just being stripped of ourselves. I am not going to give anything else away, but listen, y'all are going to want to be prepared to kind of really lean into this message and really ask yourself this question as you listen. Am I ready to come face to face with myself so that I can grow, prosper, and thrive? Hey, Gina, thank you for joining me for the show today. This is take two for all of you women listening. (laughs) Hello, Dr. Sherry. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so honored to have you on the show. And um, I think one of the things that drew me to you, Gina, which I know is going to draw the women listening to you as well, is your heart for women who have experienced loss. And I'm just going to dive right in because that's how you and I connected on Instagram. Yes. And um, you've made some really fantastic videos, but you have this And if you don't want to start here, that's fine. You can just back me up. You can say, I don't want to talk about that. Can we talk about that later? But um, you have a concept called, or a project called the I Am Crowned Project. Yes. And um, that is how you and I first connected. So can you tell us what that's about? Like, what's your why behind that? What it is? Yes, absolutely. So I Am Crowned Project is something that was birthed from my own personal loss six years ago from a stillborn, our stillborn Mm. baby girl. Her name is Annabelle. And so I was six and a half months along Mm. and delivered her. And then, um, now can I stop you there for a sec? Cause when you say delivered her, did you like have to go through labor and everything? Yes. Um, it's a 24 hour process. Um, so it's very unknown, you know, every situation is so different. So there may be some women on here that either know someone or maybe personally went through it. And I'm just sharing from my own story, several, um, women who have similar stories and everyone's just so different. So there could be the doctors prep you for anything could go wrong. So it's all unknown. Um, and so you, the 24 hour, it's, I say 24 hour to deliver. And then you're in the hospital for about like a 48 hour, because then the process is after you deliver, you have, you have a choice, you know, to be with your baby and they treat it very, again, every hospital is different, but we got to mm-hmm. hold Annabelle, got to bathe her, got to wow. clothe her. And then, um, oh. it, it was a real experience. Just like I have two kids already. So I have, my mm-hmm. oldest is 11 and then my, okay youngest is eight. I'm sorry. She just turned nine. (laughs) They, so it was having children already, you know, it's just this, I had that kid to connect to, but it really, what they made it feel that real. So it was as if, if your baby was the only difference is your baby's not living. And so it just, it's a very traumatic experience. Mm. Um, And so now, let me Go ask ahead. you a question. Did you did you know going into the 24-hour process, going into the delivery process, that Annabelle was not alive? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I did know. Uh, we were already having complications within my pregnancy about four months along. Okay. And we were just doing everything we could to keep her and to, yeah. you know, to watch every little detail. And it just got to a point where fluid was building up around her heart and in her brain and my, Mm. just her, we we weren't, she wasn't able to get the proper nutrition through just so many complications were coming up. And so I went through an amniosteosis. I hope I just said that right. It's where they stick the needle in your stomach and they draw Mm -hmm. fluid from the baby because 
they're going to start all the testing to do if I had to go into pre-labor or all those possibilities. And it was right after I went through that, that I asked the doctor, I said, is there a possibility that I could lose my baby? And he said, yes, there is a possibility. Mm. It was over that weekend. My next appointment with another specialist is when we went in and I had already at that time had so many ultrasounds that I knew exactly what I was looking for if my baby was alive or not. And so when we went to go put, you know, have the ultrasound, I was like, oh my gosh, she, it, she has passed. I knew instantly. And it was before the doctor even got in there. Like I was just with the nurse. I was going to ask you if you had that, um, if you, if you knew instinctively Mm. that she was gone. Yeah. It, I think the whole weekend leading up to that visit, I think my faith was so strong. My faith was so immersed in this is going to be a miracle and the miracle is mm. that she's going to live. And so it, mm. the, uh, the, the miracle that happened was what happened within me and my family. And so mm. after that loss, um, I am crown project was birthed and it was about a year, exactly a, a year later I had been, so I'd went through that experience and everything. I mean, in the hospital. So when I delivered her, I say Annabelle woke us up to living. And so mm. is how her life gave us a new life. Gave That's my husband. so beautiful. It was an instant. Uh, I know that again, this is not everyone's experience and my heart is, uh, I say I have two different, I had a moment in the hospital room of heaven on earth. It was the closest I felt to heaven um, mm. of what life was beyond what we could see, because it was the yeah. only way I could get through holding a stillborn, yeah. my stillborn baby. And yeah. so, but after the hospital, my entire world crumbled. And so I came, that was the part that my pain woke me up to all the inner parts of me yeah. of depression and suicidal yeah. thoughts and mm-hmm. de- wanted to divorce my husband and just these mm these uh, mountains that just seemed too big and this pain Mm -hmm. that was too strong to bear that either can rip you open in all aspects to heal those wounds or you can collapse and it really can destroy every part of you. And so I would, I mean, the destroying process, I firmly believe needs to happen either way because in order to rebuild, you have to tear everything down. And that is what happened. We lost everything, lost everything after that. So when I say everything, it was financially, it was marriage. It was my mental health went down the drain. We Mm. went living with my parents. I mean, just so much crumbled and it was truly rebuilding our career. So we left where we were, where we had worked pretty much my whole life, but I mean, my adult life was like 19. And so I was in, we were in full-time ministry. And so anyway, Mm. I'm getting so many aspects. Well, right? no, let me, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me just, um, I, because I've got some things on my mind and I'm sure the listeners do. I mean, I've got like, I'm bursting with questions. Yeah. Um, and I want to, I'm trying to decipher, um, which ones might be the most, um, which ones might resonate the, the, the most with women who are listening right now. Mm -hmm. And I have no way of knowing that other than to trust God for, to help me ask the right questions. But um, to me, as you're describing this, it describes something that I've been um, a truth that I've been talking about. And it's, it's, it's an unpleasant, it's a non-beautiful, non-desired truth that, that to, to truly thrive, to have that rebirthing experience, to have an experience of coming to know who you are. Mm. Everything has to be totally stripped. Yes. Oh Everything has to be destroyed. Like you think about like, um, you know, refurbishing a piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. It's totally oh, I've done it. Of its- <laughs> I've refurbished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like, it's finished, sanded, sanded down, yeah. y'all. I mean, here's what's beautiful to me, and this is this is where I'm I'm kind of drawing a parallel that I want to make sure we highlight that, you know, 
and you haven't even gotten to what the rebirth has been like, or even what the mm-hmm. destruction or the stripping was like, which, uh, you know, that's up to you if you, you want to talk about either of those, but you know, your, uh, the word destroy that you use, the, mm-hmm. the destruction and the death of you that led to the rebirth and the saving of you, um, parallels Annabelle's life. Yes. I mean, she, right? Like she oh, came, God, yes. she came and she was totally stripped. She was, she's not mm-hmm. destroyed, but her life, right. her physical yeah. life here inside, was taken. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then she, she left so that that could give birth to something new in you guys as a family and just, holy cow, like I'm just blown Mm -hmm. away. Oh my gosh. It was, I, I, um, when I left the hospital, I say it was like someone literally stripped me naked. It felt like when I walked out into every Mm -hmm. normal, normality of like walking back into a grocery store, walking back to go to a friend's house or dropping my kids off at school or those type of things. Everything felt like I was walking around naked. I felt stripped down to, Mm -hmm. in fact, that was my words. When I left the hospital, I said, God rid me of myself. I belong to you. Like if you need to strip me bare, I, if that's what I have to do to move forward, because in that, Mm -hmm. in those times, there's, you don't see a way of any, right. nothing seems clear. Everything's clouded. There's a heavy weight. There's yeah. right. everything. It seems so foggy and unknown that yeah. all the questions come up. And I learned too, that the questions are okay. I was told so many times yes. not to question anything, but I was oh, like, no, say that. don't stop the questions because the questions lead you to all the unknown parts that begin to uncover truth mm-hmm. that begins right. to in- uncover the depth of you. And I think that's a lot. Yeah. That's the part of, I mean, if I would be lying, if I would say, did I want to run and hide and curl up? And, yes, absolutely. Did I right. want to just pretend and put the mask back on that I had worn all my life? Yes. All of mm-hmm. that was so comfortable, but no, I knew none of that was going to reveal truth in my life. I just knew instantly this was something I was going to have to face and everyone's con- we are going to have to confront every some at some point in our life. Yeah. I mean, some people could go all life and confront something on their deathbed, but I was like Mm -hmm. this, if I am faced with this moment right right now, that's bringing me to my knees. This is my responsibility to face nobody else. And Mm -hmm. I have to now tear myself open to become, you know, this vulnerable and true becoming like the butterfly, right? The butterfly example. Right. we're in this cocoon and then we're taking on a new form. It's, I yeah. say new normal. It's a new normal that yeah. you begin within this journey that you never asked for. We all have those moments, right? Of unplanned yeah. uncertainty. And yeah, but I think there's, I think there's, there's a catalyst. There's something for each of us. And I think it's different for each of us that, um, helps us to lean into that, that helps us to, to not lean in, helps us to surrender to that, to say, okay, uh, like, like I'm ready to, I'm ready to be like stripped. Like, cause that is no, here's the truth. The truth is not only do we live in a society, but we live in a mindset, a collective mindset that pain and suffering are bad. They're not good. Right. Yes. And pain and suffering are necessary for growth. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. necessary to thrive. You can't bloom, grow, or prosper unless you get stripped, unless yeah. you be, you come face to face with yourself. And so that the catalyst, when that happens for everybody is different. And it sounds like for you, it was the loss of Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, I, I just needed to make that point for the, for the women listening that, yeah. you know, that it's okay if you're not there. Absolutely. Right? Like, if you haven't come to that place where you're like, oh yeah, I want to be ripped open because let's face it, that just sounds nuts, right? Um, yes. But when you get there, you'll know it. It'll hit exactly. you right between the eyes, and you'll be and you'll be ready for it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote. So when I started, I am blog or I am crowned project. At first, was a blog, and one mm-hmm. of my blogs that I write is life begins at surrender, and so. Mm. 
you, when so you true. Do, when you get to that point of surrender and say your arms, my picture of surrendering is opening your arms as wide as they go and just crying out mm-hmm. to whoever you're, you know, the higher power like, of God yeah. or universe, like just whatever is beyond what you could say and say, I'm choosing to surrender in this moment. And that was truly yeah. my example of falling to my knees and saying, I can't bear this pain anymore. And so that's yeah. when life began. And I, so I started blogging and writing was my therapy before I ever had therapy. <laughs> so yeah, you know, these tools that just start to come out of us. You're like, I don't know why I'm doing, but this is truly saving my life right now. And then it was yeah, little things like I bought myself a, a bike and if I didn't get out in some way, I was going to suffocate and suicide and depression was going to overtake me. And so we have these right. tools around us and now it's grabbing onto whatever is within our reach. So after I was blogging for a couple of years, I went through then three years ago, another loss. So we tried Mm. again for another baby. And this time it was our baby boy, Ethan. And so actually three years this August. So uh, anyway, so we, you know, again, you go through all this healing process. We had rebuilt where our family could, could, we felt like we were at this place to just, our faith was there to try again. To do it. Yeah. Here we go. And so, you know, if we get four and a half months along and I went through, now he was a late term miscarriage and I went through a DNC process with him. It was a procedure Mm. done so that you, same thing. Like I got, well, not same thing, but it was a completely different experience, but it was still, that process of a DNC you do get put under. So they give you um, amnesia or wait, what is it? No. uh, Yeah. Anesthesia. 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 Yeah. Well, hopefully then it'll give you amnesia too. So you won't remember the experience. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Oh man. But anyways, so that experience woke me up then too. I had been, so after I was blogging, I'd had these necklaces and they were crown necklaces that I'd had for all throughout when I was blogging, but I never did anything with them. It was just like, okay, so wait, you like purchased a bunch of crowned necklaces of crown necklaces and you did nothing with them. Did nothing with them. Like all I was doing was just writing because it was the only thing I could, I was the only energy I had within me to do anything. So that, Mm. The necklaces seemed like so far and it seems so impossible to try to wrap around another story. I was still feeling so many parts of myself that I didn't see clear. You know, when you're in those stages of grief and you're just like, okay, I think I'm at this certain place. And then you get hit again with something. You're like, yeah, no, my energy is not there. And you have to give yourself permission. Let me ask you a question about that because, um, in my experience, in my personal experience, um, here's one of the truths that I believe is that we never truly overcome, okay, yeah. that that we're always overcoming, right? Um, we will always be overcoming until we die. Like that's just our human existence. That's our human experience. And so I have a real problem, which I'm not going to go into right now, but I have a real problem with people who sell success stories, right? Because mm. I just don't believe in them. Anyway, the point behind that is, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so the point behind that being, um, you know, you get, you, you get hit with the first loss and then you have this experience of surrender and this experience that, you know, I've got to be ripped open. I've got to be destroyed so I can be rebirthed. And then you get to a place of uh, a new normal or, or a place of, um, experienced stability, so to speak, so that you had hoped to try again, to, to go down this road again. And so then you did. And then this experience happened. Now, my guess is if you're anything like what, if your experience is anything similar to mine, my guess is you don't learn necessarily the same things again, that 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 process that is similar, a similar loss opens up other things about yourself that maybe you hadn't seen before in the first time. Is that the case? Is that what happened with you? hundred percent, hundred percent. And it was the, so 
But you know, Ethan's loss ripped my husband's heart right open. So he was mm-hmm. in 100% survival mode of providing for our family, trying to get us back on our feet again when, while I was going through all my mental depression, you know, working through all that. And then Ethan was this wake up call for me to then take territory in a sense where I, I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but almost like you take the lead when so it showed this perfect example of a marriage of when one okay. is weak, one is strong. So we mm-hmm. are going to be grieving the same way. It was just this, right. we, we turned from being competitive with each other to then mm-hmm. becoming synced with one another as truly as this picture of a relationship of having to say, yeah. you know, there's no right or wrong way here, but my husband's right. heart is being ripped open now. And now I'm going to rise to the occasion of taking the lead in a sense. I don't know another way to say yeah. it, but to... Well, it's kind of like a dance, right? Yeah, is exactly it? what it's, my husband says. It's a dance. Right. Because one person leads the way yeah. and you know, one person leads with the hand and the, and the hand on the waist or the shoulder or whatever. And the other person just follows. And then it's time, you know, you turn and then it's time for a new step. And that's the beauty of partnership. That's the beauty of connection. That's how we're wired because man, oh man, if we were left to the dance by ourselves, we would just fall down. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) How beautiful would that be? (laughs) But yeah, it's, it, it pulled out another depth of strength. It, it, it revealed all the layers. It was like, okay, I didn't, what I didn't have the strength to do with Annabelle, all of a sudden Ethan gave us the strength. Mm. So his meaning, the meaning of Ethan is steady, strong, consistent. And it really was this: Mm. you have a choice here to Again, the the fork in the road of what grief somewhat does to you is it forces yeah. you to look within and beyond what you can see right now. And so it really was the those conversations. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay, we're, are we going to choose to grow deeper or again, let this tear us apart? And so right, we just right. had to keep making those hard choices and having those hard conversations. So yeah. I let my husband go. I was said, you know, this is a choice that you have to make within your own self. And we finally separated. We're individuals just as much as we are here collectively with one another. And his process was completely different than mine. And it showed right. me that grief doesn't have one, one way. <laughs> There's not right. one. Ma- oh, you don't all yes. the same mask. And to yes. be able to respect everyone as individuals within their own process And so that's why I do what I do is because I truly don't think, I mean, there's, unless you've walked through it yourself, Mm -hmm. you begin to reveal your own process, which makes room for allowing other people to have their own process and nothing being forced or nothing being rushed. You can't rush the process and you can't force it either. And so you'll hit. Yeah, that's. It's exactly right. And I think that our culture, especially, you know, Western culture says that um, there is a specified way to grieve and there is a a specified uh, appropriate length of bereavement, which is just absurd. Um, I mean, there's even there's even bereavement disorder in the Diagnostic and Statistical Mm -hmm. Manual, which means you're doing it wrong. Wow. Which is like. Oh my oh goodness. My yeah. Right. No. I mean, they're in Eastern cultures, people literally put on, you know, black for a month yes. or literally like in biblical times where sackcloth and ashes, like mm-hmm. if we did that in Western culture, we'd have, we'd be diagnosed with a little bit more than bereavement disorder. I can tell oh, you that. Oh my God. Yes. <sighs> yeah. So I think like, just like, you know, we, I have a, one of my, my best friend, her husband, uh, just two months ago, two and a half, three months ago, passed away. Wow. Um, very young, in his forties, early forties, mm-hmm. uh, brain cancer. And um, you know, how do you 
What's the right way to grieve? What's the right way to grieve with losing a child? Like there is no right way. And so I think that that's a lie that we believe. And, and so that threatens us. And so it makes Mm. us put on a mask. And I think it makes us not be able to surrender to that stuff that we need to work through Yes, for the sake of appearing to grieve the right way. Yes. I don't even know what that means, but do you know what I'm saying? Yes. That was exactly what we, so I think with Ethan, that was what we, we finally came to this acceptance of this Mm -hmm. is life period. It's like, there is no overcoming. Like you said, there is no picture perfect. They're like, right. Like truly letting go of all the stigmas, of all the expectations, of all the definitions, of all the, you know, step-by-step process of how-tos, we completely let all of that go. And we allowed grief to be this partner and friend and say, okay, today is how we're going to show up. And so grief is a teacher. It's the loss of control. And I think how many of us control, oh my gosh, I know as a mom, I want to control everything, <laughs> but sure. you go, right. how good, how good of that would, what would good, what good would that do? Would that allow my kids to be who they are or who I want right. them to be? Control, right, right. Control is nothing but, sti- you know, it stifles us in growth as well. So it turns the other way and we ask the question, what can we control is my response to things. Yeah. I can control the things that I That's do right. with myself and That's right. I can control myself, where my mind yes. goes and I can control. And that's it. That's yeah. it. Right. That's it. And yeah. so when you're hit with something else, because the the question is, it's not a matter of if, or it just is, you know, like, when, right, right. when it happens, right. then yeah. you're going to learn from the previous time and what you learned, you'll pick up, you'll take on with you to the next and then to the next. Yeah. And you allow yeah. your, the process to continue versus there's no That's ending, right. you know? So I kind of got rid of right. the whole, there's end in sight or there's a light at the right. end of the tunnel. The light there's at a- the end of the tunnel. <laughs> right. Which is that, which is that message of overcoming. So, Hey, um, what did you, you have all these necklaces. Okay. When was the moment when you realized like, so, Oh, I've got these necklaces. Yeah. I have to do something with them. What happened? So I go with the perspective of my babies have never left me. They just have taken on a different form of life. Yeah. And so they're always still growing. They're always still with me. So I truly see them in everything I do. And so Ethan and Annabelle are pretty much like mom, we need you to keep doing the work that you're doing into helping people. And this will make me cry, but just to help people to wake up within their own pain, because Mm. they just, I feel they're just so proud of my husband and I and their sisters. And so that's what he was pretty, Ethan was pretty much like, are you going to do anything with those necklaces? (laughs) So yeah. Right. Right. It makes sense now. (laughs) This crown is a life crowned in glory. It's a life beyond what we can see. It's a life of hope, of beauty. And that's what grief is here to do. It's our Mm. teacher. It's our, it's, they're not the passing of someone of any kind of husband, um, any, any sort of loss of Mm -hmm. a job, a home, like security, all those kind of things aren't there just to shove aside at all. There's meaning, yeah. there's meaning in all of it. And so I just started, we packaged up these necklaces. And so I take them to the hospital once a year. I've connected with mm. a few organizations around the Valley. I'm in Arizona. So I've connected with a few organizations that when they need some, I give them to them. And so it, it, they get dispersed in all different kinds of ways. And then I, okay. you could personally buy them on my site that I created okay. around project.com. Okay. And then I, there, I just had one this week where, you know, people that go through a loss of a child, they'll contact me and then I mail them off. So I, I love this. I give one away as well. Every time someone buys one, I save one to give away. And so I'm in contact with people all the time. Just, it's just incredible when you open yourself up to something in a giving aspect, how much people come in your path 
that you don't even yeah. know. And one of the, in right. fact, a cool story, I was at a coffee shop all by myself, but I, you know, coffee shops, sometimes you're sitting so close, you could hear other people's conversations and yeah, was, not anymore. I but know, yeah. True. <laughs> this one was pretty, <laughs> right? That's funny. <laughs> Right now, I've forgotten already what that's like to be on top of other people in a coffee shop. Anyway, go ahead. I know. Okay. So I was at a coffee shop and I could overhear this woman's conversation and she had gone through a loss of a baby and it, you know, all the change that's taking place. And I said, I don't mean to be eavesdropping, but my, uh, my ears perk up every time I hear Mm. loss, every time I hear, it's like, you could see it. When you open, again, that's the beauty of allowing yourself to rip open is you could see hurt, you could see pain, you have empathy for people. And so it not only brings healing within your life, but you are kind, you're just a kinder person. You're able to see all, you can see the store clerk, you can see when that woman's in pain or that man's in pain or, and be able to stop and just say, Hey, I see you and and give him a smile, you know, all those kind gestures that go a very long way. So anyway, I stopped and I just, the girl was like looking at me like, wait, what? Like, how did you know? And I said, I just, I'm not, I'm not a weirdo. I promise I'm not crazy, (laughs) but I want to give you a necklace. And so it's things like that. It allows me to- So do you just keep them with you? So this time I didn't have one on me, but- Um, there are some times where I do. Yeah. And, this time and so I- is there like a little message that yeah. comes with the necklace? Yes. So I, I have a card. So one side says you are not alone. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, it's just a really short sentence about, I wish I had one on me right now, but it's about the, the imprints on your heart that never leave mm-hmm. you. And you're, this is your time to step into your own bravery story. So mm. I think we all have a brave story within us and it's just a matter of time for us to wake up to that brave story to say, yeah. I'm stronger than what I know. I mm-hmm. didn't know I had it in me to over, to not to overcome in a sense. I, I caught myself right there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Here I am to surrender and rise above. Yeah. And learn and grow from this. Yeah. Yeah. So it opened us up to introduce grief to our girls. Mm -hmm. So they, which I was going to ask you, Gina, how here, here's the other thing. I think there's a misconception. It's not a misconception. Let me just call it what it is. There's a lie that, Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's, it's, it's based in fear and, and love, not, not, um, ignorance. So there, there is a lie that parents believe that I have to protect Mm -hmm. my children from life. (laughs) And, um, which is just, it's almost like, you know, there's a, there's a difference between protecting your children from life and then just like throwing them to the wolves and being, you know, like dust yourself off and figure it out. Right. There's a difference there. Right. But there is, there is a middle ground of this teacher of life as teacher of life experiences as teacher that I think that as parents, we would have the potential to rob our children from Mm. those learning and formative experiences. If we do not share with them the real things yeah. that we're experiencing in language that they understand. Yes. Um, you know, e- even research shows, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to this in a second, but just from the scientific standpoint, research shows kids have brilliant imaginations, oh, right? Yes. So if you don't give them the information, if you don't give them the real truth of the information, like let's say they have a terminal illness, the child does, right? And the parents are like, I don't want to tell them. Well, if they don't have the real information, they're going to make stuff up. And the stuff that they make up is not going to be helpful to them. So Mm -hmm. it's better to be truthful with them, to be honest, to share these, this grief as teacher. So with that, like, what's that experience been like for your girls? Because they're older, they're certainly old enough to understand loss. Mm -hmm. It was okay. So unknown territory. So back to Annabelle's story, we were in the hospital at that time. My oldest was only five and my youngest was three, Mm -hmm. but my oldest, especially 
uh, she was at my parents' house and my mom's like, we weren't going to have them come to the hospital because we were raised with, I mean, both my husband and I were very shielded within our life. Yeah. So we were very much like asking nurses, what do we do? What do we say? We have kids. And they, they told us too. So we were like, we can't tell you what to do, but we have families that don't share. And then we have families that do. And we just will tell you the ones that do have this connection that you cannot separate. And so that's right. um, All of a sudden my mom called the hospital and said, Gina, Cadence, my oldest is Cadence. And she said, she is following me around. I cannot get away from her. Like I go to close my door. She knows something's up. She, she has asked, I need to see my mom. I have to see my mom. And Mm. she said, she just needs to see you in the hospital. Just make sure everything's okay. So we were like, okay, bring them up here. Here we go. I have no clue what we're going to say. Right. The two Cadence and Miley come in and all, I kid you not. My five-year-old Cadence at the time said, where is my sister? And I was like, oh my gosh, what's, it was just my parents, you know, brought them in the room and they, the four of us and my three-year-old Miley at three just crawled up and wanted to hold me. Mm. And so we said, well, she, and Cadence had said, did you have her? And I said, yes. Did she, she said, did you meet her? And I said, yes, we we Mm. did. We met her and she said, well, that's not fair. She's my sister. I get to meet, I get to meet her too. And that's not fair. If I don't get to meet her, where is she? And we said, she's here in this room before you, you want to see her? And she said, yes. And then she, I said, okay, before you do daddy and I want to talk to you. And so I lost it at that point. I mean, I was, oh gosh, I cannot imagine And so Miley and Cadence are just listening. And my husband just can't have these words. Wow. My oldest is an animal lover and said, hey, you know how you love animals, right? And she said, yeah. She's like, well, think of a turtle. And he said, when you see a turtle, the outward is what? And she said, it's shell. And he said, where does a turtle hide? Like when when it needs protection, like where does it go? And she said, it goes inside the turtle. So he said the, t- the shell is the protection, right? So when we mm-hmm. show you Annabelle, what you're going to see is nothing but her shell. Oh, Who she goodness. is and where she is, mm-hmm. is her spirit is no longer here. So her internal, like who she is, she's gone into a place where she just needs to be. But what you see is just going to be her shell. And so he said, are you ready? And she said, daddy, is it going to be scary? He said, no, it's not going to be scary. So he took her over and he asked Miley, he said, do you want to see Annabelle? Miley said, I want to just be with mommy and just be with her. And it's honestly from that way since the, like from years moving forward, they both yeah. have these two different uh, realities and worlds. And so anyway, Cadence, Ryan took Cadence over to see Annabelle. And he said, before I show you her, I want you to close your eyes and get a picture of her living. And so he said, Mm. close your eyes. And when you get your picture, you tell me. And then when you get it, that's when you'll open up your eyes. And so he said, okay, dad. So she goes, dad, I am closing my eyes. I don't have anything yet. He said, oh, it's okay. We'll sit here as long as we can until you get this picture. And it was just a matter of seconds. Like, I, I don't know, 30 seconds goes by and she goes, dad, I got a picture. I see Aww. her. She's playing. She's playing on a playground and named very, very specifics. She's on a, she, she loves a teeter-totter. She loves the slide. And we were Aww. like, teeter-totter. We have a friend <laughs> somewhere with the teeter-totter. Like, oh my gosh, what's, you know, and right. a long story short, he said, you could open your eyes now. And when she opened her eyes, she just saw nothing but life and beauty. And she said, Oh my gosh, my sister is beautiful. Jumped out of his arms, opened the door, ran into the, the hallway, told all of our family and said, you have to come see my sister. You have to meet her. Her name's Annabelle. Just mm. it. And she's been an open, she went to kindergarten. I mean, I have story after story. She's had dreams. It's been, it, like you said, we left no room for gaps Right. For them right. To figure out like our kids are so sensitive. So a lot of, you know, so many people told me, don't cry in front of your kids. Don't uh, do these things. And uh, my question was, how do you not 
How can I not? Right. How do you not? My kids have emotions. How can I be inauthentic with my kids? Yeah. I said, when they have emotion, what do I do with them? Do I just kick them out and say, no, sorry, that's not welcome here. I don't do that. But they can welcome my emotion. I'm not sitting here like close. I, I just was like, no, I cannot do that. And I just can't do that. So I just didn't listen to anyone. <laughs> I just, I literally was like, I'll be the rebel in grief, I guess you could say, and just go for, go for all the things that yeah. people are telling me not to do because it showed that there was no air. Like truly my, as a three-year-old little girl, like she yes. leading all the way up to nine years old, she has been an anchor of laughter in our world. So we allow her to take on who she is. And our oldest 11-year-old, she has this spiritual interconnection. I mean, in kindergarten, she went to class. When she went back to school, she couldn't write. And her teacher said she had a writing assignment and she couldn't write. And her teacher said, "Um, okay, Cadence, can you draw for me? And she drew a train. She was on a train with Annabelle. And it opened up this conversation. The teacher was so moved by it, but she said, can I share this? And she got to share about her sister and it opened up. I mean, you wouldn't believe the stories of kids saying my grandpa just died or my mom lost a baby. Right. You know, just right. So at school, the conversations that happened because you were honest and open. Yeah. It was seriously like, and I know it's, I think it, those are the challenges and the unknown that I, my, my husband and I were so scared. I, I, I would say fear gripped us to no end of how we did not mm. have the words, but I think because we allowed ourselves to also let go yeah. and surrender yeah. and say, we may not know. And I think that's the part where we get, we, we stifle ourselves or we get stuck is we hinder those places because we get gripped with fear and to allow fear also yeah. to say, Hey, you're welcome here. And you have every right to feel afraid right now, but I'm also yeah, going yeah. to move past this and say, I'm just going to go for it. You know, it's the fear of yeah. failure. It's the fear of all those places that we just don't allow ourselves. So it grief truly has woke us up to allow for all the things that seem impossible to become possible. So it has been a teacher and we do, we, we, we encourage people. And I think there's, I've heard all kinds of stories where parents force those type of conversations. And I just want to make this known that it's not anything you're going to have to force it's yeah. your kids. When you allow your place to go to the depth of pain, you'll see how your kids are going to also welcome in. And it's anything forced isn't beautiful, right? Like, right. We, That's true. We really do have to allow for things to unfold. And I think when you go in with that mindset of, yeah, this will take on a whole other form than what you can see. That's the beauty of the mm-hmm. unknown. And that's mm-hmm. the part of the unknown process is it's your, it's becomes that dance and you're creating, you allow the creation to take place of taking on what you have to do next, because you're not going to have the answers. Um, Right. Well, and not, yeah, not everything is polished. It, it, it it can't be actually everything, (laughs) everything found in nature, Mm. everything that is beautiful has some sort of, flaw. The only things that are identical or pristine are made are man-made. Hundred right? oh my God, so good. Like so good. So if we think about like, I mean, just take us for example. Mm-hmm. Like all of us have like one side of our body that's a little bit longer than the other. Yes. Or like for us women, I'm just gonna say it, one boob is a little yes. bigger than the other, <laughs> right? Like, okay. Unless it's man made and they're perfect, right? Yes. So <laughs> So, but I think there's an Eastern concept called wabi-sabi, which speaks to the beauty of imperfection and that just kind of what you were talking about, like being willing to not wait for stuff. Like that's the lie that we're faced with. We're faced with the lie that says everything has to be polished before we can be of effect, before we can have impact, before we can matter. Everything has to be polished. And I think... I think the beauty comes in our in our 
willingness and openness to display humanity, to display our humanity, to not have it all together, to say, to be willing to say, oh, wait, you know what? Maybe I said that. I could have said that in a different way. Yes. Like, but not, not saying it because you haven't figured out how to say it yet. Oh my God, Dr. Sherry, you literally put everything in such a beautiful way of saying, yes, it was, there's no such thing as perfection. Just let it go. Literally let it go. Allow yourself, that's the beauty of vulnerability is to have those hard conversations. It's it's allowing yourself to be seen in the imperfection and there's not enough of that. So be, if you're not, I'm just speaking to the your, the woman on your podcast right now, be yeah. that one, go be that one, be the rebel in grief in your, in your world. And I prom like when I stepped into taking on what everyone was telling me, like telling me to not to do. And I started to say, Oh, I just, that I don't have the energy for that. Yeah. Or, I don't have the energy to not cry, but I do have energy to cry. I'm going to just let and trust that process to take on what it needs to. And it has really been such a beautiful dance. Like you said, I love the analogy of it's a dance. And so allowing the ebb and flow of life to be your teacher and to, um, I mean, I will just say I've, the support, the safe place for me wasn't there in the beginning. And so I think that's when you find your people and you, you find when you, it's okay. It hurts to let go of people that you thought were going to be there, you know, but, um, I think that's the part where if, are you a Brene Brown lover? I don't read Brene Brown. I I do. I'm not, you know, I'm so weird. Like (laughs) I don't, I, I, um, I, I'm almost resistant to the big superstars oh, because gotcha. they're so big, but I, I'm not saying I don't like some of the stuff that they say. Yes. Well, she just, I just like, I never want to be that big. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> She's been such a teacher for me. Um, and she just says to dare greatly. And she talks yeah. the inner critic, you know, the, the man in the arena by the, yeah. by Theodore Roosevelt. And I have it on my phone screen as a reminder, because it says it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer or deeds could have done them better. The critic critic belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. And look at us. It's just, if you're not in the, so I had to take on that mindset. If you're not in the arena with me, you have no say so. If you choose to do live life differently. I'm not judging you. That's right. Allow me to have my own process and to go to those places of fully surrendering and letting go. And so anyway, I just wanted to share that because she's, she says it all. That's beautiful. So look it up. Yeah, she does. I have heard her. I, yeah, I watched her Netflix special. I mean, I'm not a complete, you know, ghost when it comes to this stuff, but yeah. yeah. So, okay. Gina, tell us, how can the listeners get in touch with you? Maybe they've uh, got a woman in mind that they want to send a necklace to, oh, or absolutely. maybe they're listening and they want a necklace for themselves. Yes. So how do they connect with you? How do they reach out to you? How do they order a necklace? Okay. So I have a website, ginadomeyer.com, and that will also, the store is on there. I am crownproject.com. And you'll see some blogs that I've written on there. I need a I have like a ton of blogs that I'm compiling right now. So I'm in the process of working on a project with all my blogs that I have written, but I also am on Instagram. I am crowned. So on Instagram, it's the, I am crowned project and on Facebook, I am crowned project page. And then Gina Dobmeyer on Facebook and on Instagram. And I just started a community called the pain gangster. Okay. It's for people that are ready to face their pain and allow their pain to help them grow. And so we welcome, nice. uh, we welcome the process of pain. And so yeah. I, I really, my heart is to really connect to women, men, families, like my husband and I are in this together. And so we're open to conversations and so they could direct message me, you know, However, yeah. we can connect. I'm so open to all of it. So, 
it all leads. If you find me on one platform, wonderful, wonderful. So, and I just have, a yeah, yeah. And we'll be sure to include all of the links. Yeah. What's that? I just came out with a podcast too, the, the pain gangster podcast. So yeah. And where can we find that Gina? On all like Apple, all the podcast platforms. Okay. So on Apple okay. podcast, on Simplecast, I believe, or I don't know all of Overcast. them. Overcast. Radio or iHeart I something. Okay. I know. Okay. I, I just all right. Great. We it, will so. include. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. So we'll include all of the links there. All right, Gina, before we sign off today, I ask all of my guests this one question that if there is one truth that you want the women listening to remember at the end of this conversation, when this, when this conversation is over, one thing you want them to remember, what would that be? So the one thing I have is everything is within you. Mm. I think we, we, we look so much on the external. We don't look enough on the internal. So we, if it wasn't for writing or writing, writing within the pen and paper in my hand or the bike, all the internal me just stepping outside, I would not had overcome depression. And so I found so many resources within myself yeah. and I had to dig so deep to say, wow, within me is a strength I never knew. Within me is a bravery mm-hmm. that I never knew. Within me is a muscle within my mind to think on thriving thoughts, right? Like with yeah. I have the power within that's me right to to I keep saying overcome, but there are the layers that yes. pop up that you do have to confront. Yeah. And it just keeps leading to the next layer that you have yeah. and keep overcoming every layer that pops up. So everything you have is within you. That's my truth. And so true. We're not alone. I say that on every, every single thing. Every time <laughs> you think you're alone, you're not, you're not, yeah. you are not alone. So. You're like every other guest. They, by the end of the show, they have like 10 million truths <laughs> they want to share. And I'm like, uh-uh, you don't know how to follow <laughs> instructions. I asked you for one. <laughs> And yet another episode where we go out laughing. I hope you all have laughed, cried, and really found some beautiful truths in this message today with my friend Gina. Please be sure to connect with her and follow her. I know she'd love to chat with you. And hey, we all know somebody who's in need of one of those I Am Crowned necklaces. Reach out to her today. Support another woman in business, not just in business, but in passion, in her why, and in her truth and in sharing hope and healing with other women and thriving thoughts. If you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend. And would you go ahead, if you are an Apple Podcast listener, and write a quick review for this episode with Gina, or simply give the Thriving Thoughts Podcast five stars. We would be so grateful for your highest rating so that we can continue to reach other women. And until next week, as always, speak truth over the lies so you can thrive in any and every circumstance.